Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please go over to Facebook. Give the page over there a like as well. And we continue to drive traffic to the Thundercast YouTube channel because that is ever growing and pretty freaking awesome. This week is the one, the culmination of the college football season as it relates to Marshall University from a playing standpoint. This is your Myrtle Beach Bowl preview And if you're wondering, who's the third dude up there? We decided to invite one of our buddies here from the last few months of a sponsor of the show. This is Jed Horton from Ignite Link. He's going to help us roll through this Myrtle Beach Bowl preview. If you guys have been tuning in to Thundercast Live, you've seen Jed before. But for those of you that are usually at the games or unable to watch Thundercast Live, you might be meeting Jed for the first time. So, uh, this is an excellent opportunity to get Jed in the fold here and help us talk about this game against UConn coming up. We've also, of course, of course, got five things that every herd fan needs to know, sponsored by huh, Ignite Link. And uh, Russell's going to take us around the herd with everything else that's going on around Thundering Herd Athletics. So before we get into all everything and all the introductions and the welcomes and the what have yous, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. You can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim. But when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone, you set yourself up to be a victim again. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. It is bowl week, so to speak. Uh, It's early next week, games Monday, December 19th, so we've got to record, of course, the week before. Uh, But this is one we've been kind of looking for. We did a reaction show a couple days ago, gave our impressions of the game, how we felt about it, were we excited about it. And I've got to admit, a few days removed from that, I'm a little bit more excited. I guess it's because it's a couple days more without herd football. So let's get into everything we're going to talk about. Uh, But first, we've got to welcome Jed Horton to the show. Uh, Jed, it's great to have you on a regular edition of the Thundercast and giving us a helping hand this week. Yeah, yeah. Excited to be here, guys. Thank you for having me on. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, discussing some some herd football. Unfortunately, the last one of the year, but uh, glad glad we, get a, glad we get an extra game. Yeah, all good things come to an end. This 2022 herd has been one to... Uh, I can't. I think kind of appreciate in real time for different reasons. Same things we've saw offensively, defensively, and from a special team standpoint have caused different levels of of appreciation at different times. But Russ, been awful quiet up there. It's time to get you in here and get going. Let's talk about what we always talk about to kick off our shows and give me five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As always, these five things are brought to you by Ignite Link and Jed, who's right there on your screen for those of you who are watching on youtube the tri-state's premier it management team before i get into the five things we need to give a quick shout out to huntington high yeah state champs 
Yep. Uh, loved every every uh, thing that we saw on social media. We just have not had a chance to to pay some respect to that program, Billy Seals, and what he's done over there. So just a quick shout out, real quick. Either one of you guys have some words. Uh, if not, we'll move on into our five things. Well, I mean, I have something to say, but if Jed would like to, just a quick congratulations. I know you're not a Lincoln yeah. High guy. I don't know if that's a sore spot at all, but. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Uh, no, big congrats to those guys. I thought it was real classy that they got to ride up in the uh, the team bus. Uh, Absolutely. I thought that was, thought that was pretty sweet. Um, uh, it's, you know, any anytime we can bring any recognition to the area, um, in-state, out-of-state, you know, obviously this one's in-state. Uh, I'm all about it. Bringing championships home to Huntington. A big shout out to those guys. I mean, that's that's a big deal no matter what level you're at uh, to to go through that grind and, and win a championship. So big shout out to those guys. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They've been chopping at it really close for a couple of seasons. It's always tough to get past teams like Martinsburg, and they were able to do that this year. And then um, – Tough, tough championship game. I actually watched it. I was live streaming and I was off that day, had nothing else going on. And I thought, dang, this is being live streamed. I'm going to watch it. So it was, it was a, it was a hard fought game, but man, uh, really great effort by the Highlanders. You can't give enough congratulations to head coach Billy. So a number of former herd players on that staff as well. So, um, you know, this, this one kind of is herd related because we do have some alums up there uh, coaching on the on the hill for Huntington high congratulations. Those that's really cool. And you're right. Nothing like bringing a championship back home to Huntington, but Russ, let's get into this bad boy and let's talk some herd. All right. I would love to start off with something extremely positive and I don't know that it gets any better than this. We recently had graduation on Saturday. We had a number, a slew of athletes, 31, I believe that graduated from various sports. Let's talk graduation rate real quick. Eight of our programs at Marshall University have a graduation rate of 100%. Yeah, that in and of itself. Let me dust off a word that I used to use every single episode. I was waiting on it. And I, I was going to ask you. I get to dust it off. It's a <laughs> yep. differentiator. That's it what we like. Half of our athletic department teams boasting a 100% graduation rate. But wait, Russ, there's more. Two additional programs have a graduation rate above 90%. Astounding. Astounding. We're doing it. And we're getting it done. I love that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell the metric that, you know, they, they use, I'm assuming that it's uh, athletes that are recruited here, stay here for their entire duration of education, because we yeah. do have people that transfer out and you yeah. don't want that to ding you because they probably go on to graduate somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, if those are removed from the equation, then good, then good. Uh, but this just drives home the fact, Jed, let, let's speak about that for a yeah. second, that we're doing things. It's not just about wins and losses here at Marshall, right? I think it's it's easy to forget that, you know, this isn't a pro football team. You know, these these kids are coming here to, uh, yeah, they're here to come play football, but they're, they're here to get an education. They're mm -hmm. here to graduate. And that's really what's most important. You know, we definitely like to see guys – uh, move on to that next level if they can go pro. We love that. We support them, and we're behind them. But ultimately, they're you know they they're coming here to get an education. So uh, that just speaks very highly of um, being able to do multiple things at once. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, that's that's one of the most impressive things. Like if you're a pro football player, for example, I mean, you're day in day out, you're focusing on your football career. Well, you've got these kids. They're coming here. They're they're focusing on their social life. They're focusing on their studies. They're focusing on you know the sport that they're here to play. And 
And, you know, big kudos to these guys, uh, you know, student athletes, men and women that come here, work hard for for the school, perform, do extremely well uh, in the classroom, as well as the sport that they're here to play. I mean, that's to me, I think we it's just easy to forget that these, you know, they're kids and they're here to uh, do more than just play a sport. <laughs> I did that. And I didn't play a sport and I tried to juggle <laughs> collegiate life and I was not very successful at it. I mean, KD I, was I here for you. 12 years, 12 years. <laughs> I, I did my best, but uh, right. I think the, remember those old NCAA commercials that, and then they, they still might use the tagline where they would say we have whatever, 200,000 uh, NCAA athletes and almost all of them are going to go pro in something other than yeah. sports. And I think mm -hmm. that sums it up perfectly. And I'm just, I'm glad we talk about this as far as recruiting goes from a parental standpoint, when your kid is looking at schools and, and as a parent, you're like, okay, great. They're competitive on the field, but mm -hmm. you get, you essentially are going to get one shot at this education thing you, that you can have another shot at it, but this is the one you want to count. It's easier to learn when you're young. <laughs> so as a oh, parent, absolutely. you're like, what kind of education are they going to get? And this shows that Marshall's, athletes are killing it in the classroom yeah so um kd and i had a little discussion offline we were talking about uh, some people that graduated and uh some of them you were like man have they been here four years and it just goes to show i mean your average college student uh it, it is tough if they're not taking you know, 15 to 18 hours a semester and stacking up summer school mm -hmm. to be able to graduate on time anymore. A lot of times it's taking an average now four and a half to five years to graduate. And some of these athletes have been here right at four years and they're getting a four year degree. So that shows you too, that they are not just coming in here, taking the bare minimum in classes to be full time and playing sports. I mean, they are really hitting the books, hitting it hard. I've been over uh, inside the, uh, um, the, uh, is it called the Buck? Mm -hmm. Buck Harlow yeah. Center? Yeah, yeah. been been in uh, inside the Buck over there inside the Chris Klein Athletic Complex. And uh, every time I've been in there, there's just been athlete, 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 athlete of various different sports in there studying, doing stuff, computer work, and that sort of thing. So just great to see that we take such a pride in academics. All right, number two. We have some news on scoreboards. We talked about this a long time ago mm -hmm. uh, when uh, Christian Spears uh, made an, an announcement that due to some Sunbelt requirements, we were going to be getting a baseball, softball scoreboard. And then they said that we were going to get a much larger video board for the end zone in football. And we've seen the renderings. Mm-hmm. You tweeted those out. Uh, it's a file that anyone can look at. Let's talk about them. Yeah, those things are sweet, man. Um, and if 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 you don't notice, if you haven't, if you didn't notice, uh, on those renderings, there's orange. There's an orange block or a yellow block or something. Yeah. What that is is the size of the current video board. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that gives you a relation of how big the new one is going to be. And I don't really care if it's the size of a city block. Give me back the stats on the scoreboard. And like they're, Russ, on, they're on that rendering. They are. Yeah. And yeah. like Russ yeah. says, I want, you always say Buffalo, to know yeah. 
that we've put 500 passing yards on them at halftime. I half-time. want them to know yeah. that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I remember that, that game. Right? I know you remember that game, man. Byron had like 460-some <laughs> yards, and he he needed like maybe 20 in the second half to set the record or whatever. He didn't come out and play. But, I mean, how bad would that be as you're walking in because it was over on the shoey where we used to put those stats up. As that team was walking off the field, they'd just look up and go, Dang. <laughs> it's not demoralizing a bit, is it? Yeah, that's what we want. We want that element yeah. of home uh, advantage brought back to home field advantage. But mm-hmm. man, look, all joking aside, these video boards are so weak. Yeah. And um, one of our followers tweeted about the softball thing. Like, hey, can we get something facing the um, uh, physical therapy center there? And I was like, well, heck, just flip the old scoreboard around. At least you can get the score. You know, yeah. you can use that. But uh, definite upgrades at the at the vet and at the dot on top of that massive board. It looks so sweet. It's going to look so good. I can't get past this without saying also no upper bleachers in that rendering. So you get an mm-hmm. idea of what this could really look like. And that yeah. looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Jed, this is it seems like facilities stuff really catches hold with the fan base uh, and they like to like to see about that stuff. And I'm sure you're no different, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, we've been to the home games this year. Um, uh, you know, part part of me is is hoping for a little bit of a sound system upgrade along with that, which I assume is going to come with that. Um, but that sign's been up there for for quite a while yeah. and uh, has served its purpose very very well. So anytime you can see um, any kind of update to a facility, that's that's huge. I love that as part of those renderings, you know, uh, the the soccer facility is going to get. A, a sign as well uh, i forgot I, know, to, I forgot to mention that yeah yeah which which is huge i you know that's you know they've been i know grassy had been talking about that for a little while about being able to i mean how cool would it be to be able to see those instant replays and mm-hmm. things of that nature on that sign you know that's and that's big for them uh I yeah think if, I'm, if i recall correctly they were big and using that for you know in practices as well yes uh to be able to show you in you know kind of in real time you know hey this is how we you know, this is how we played, you know, this is, you know, this is what worked, this is what didn't. Um, so uh, from a fan's perspective, especially, I mean, I mean, that's huge. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm not going to do any, any uh, talk about anybody's age here, but uh, I notice as I start to get a little bit older, you know, the vision's not as good as it once was. And <laughs> being able to see that, to see that replay, <laughs> that replay in ultra HD right in front of my face while I'm at the stadium is I'm excited. No, I'm excited. Yeah. I, even when we had the paint, you know, this year when they painted the steps on mm-hmm. uh, in, in the zone, I mean, that was that was huge. I, yeah. I mean, that made that that popped. Uh, yeah. So attention to detail, I think that uh, Christian Spears is is really taking that to, to heart, and it's it's noticeable, and, and fans notice it, and they're you know, I'm all about it. Yeah, I think it's it, it, folks need to know. I'll let you get back in here. Folks need to understand that that you can't do all this at one time. Right. It takes. Yeah. We don't. We don't have those Alabama, University of Texas, University of Florida, just unlimited resources essentially. So we have to do things in stages, and and every little thing helps. And like you said, even if it's painting the steps, the that went such a long way in looking good. It, it showed okay. There's a little bit of care being taken here that you know we kind of yeah. let kind of fall by the wayside a little bit a detail that was seen as unimportant before and now it's not seen as unimportant uh this is huge for the fan experience but also come on it's the recruiting aspect as well i mean a kid gonna be able to come in for a recruiting visit and then get a get see himself on this massive jumbotron you can't tell me that it doesn't help you can't tell yeah. me it doesn't help. so it's all and so 
some of it's not only budget. You mentioned, you know, we're not Alabama, we're not Ohio State, yeah. we don't have that unlimited budget, but some of it is just time. You know, some of the things that they had approved that they wanted to do, they just could not fit in. They ran out of time to mm-hmm. be able to do that. Um, there is more coming that we talked about before this football season that they just did not get to do. And if anyone remembers the reasons that we even have the tarps up there is they had planned on tearing it out. What delayed it? They did not have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, just to recap for everyone, the reasons uh, mentioned it briefly, but the reasons that we're getting them in soccer, baseball, and softball is that meets the requirements uh, of the Sunbelt Conference. But the reason that we are upgrading, Jed mentioned that that signage, that board has been up there for a while. It's been up there a little bit longer than everyone can probably think. You know, it seems pretty new when they did that, but it's outdated. They don't make it anymore. If something goes wrong and we're talking about could happen during a game, all of a sudden it's obsolete and you just do not have uh video anymore. You don't have the advertisement anymore. Guess what? The speakers are inside that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a necessity. It has to be upgraded. So while you're upgrading it, why not go for the biggest one? And it's going to go, uh, I think they said it'd be the second or third largest video I remember video Christian board. saying the third. I think. Third is yeah. what I think. Uh, but again, right along with that or right after that, we're going to have uh, that beer garden there, mm-hmm. uh, which looks like was illustrated in the renderings below it. And then we're going to have suites, which, you know, my thoughts on that. I've I've been beating a, a drum for a while on something that I would like to see with those loge boxes. Um, But it's exciting, man, to see all this coming. And it's not just football. It's all these different sports. Soccer got that uh, um, uh, signage around the stadium last year, you know, that uh, little video board for advertising and stuff like that. And now we're going to have a, a uh, true large video board, not just for the ads, but you're going to have replays and the score and things like that. Everything about this is just so exciting. Yep, sure is. So in two years, three years, this place is going to look completely different. Mm-hmm. And and I hope, you know, I, I'm to a certain extent of very much a traditionalist. Like I love what is so good about Marshall, but I'm also really about taking them to the next level. And some of these changes are just necessary. So for all those folks that are still out there thinking, oh, we need a 50,000 seat stadium. We do not need a 50,000 seat stadium. We need a 30,000 seat stadium that gets loud and is energetic and has all the amenities that folks of the modern time want to have in a stadium to get them to a game. Cause it's Mm -hmm. just really easy to stay at home. It really is. So you need a reason to get to the game. All these things that we're doing, I think, are immensely important and will only uh, serve to hopefully increase the size of our fan base moving forward. Well, that go back, and that goes back to Russell's point. You know, these things take time. Yep. Um, you know, we all, you know, if if we could tear down our stadium every five years and build something brand new and have it erected overnight, you know, sure that would be great and awesome. But um, you know, th- these things do take time, and yep. and and it's it's. I'm I'm happy to see that. Not that we didn't have effort before. I don't want to imply that I didn't think that we didn't have effort before, but you can see that concerted effort. You know, you know, fans like to see progress, mm-hmm. and that's what the athletic department I feel like is starting to show us is progress. You know, even if it is paint on steps or you know uh, what they did over at Gullickson. You know, those things show progress, and it and it takes those kind of things over time. 
And, you know, you, you look back five years from now and we're, we're going to say, oh, wow, we, it's crazy to see how far we've come in this short amount of time. Yeah, yeah I agree. All right. We've been talking about some positives. Got to hit a little bit of a negative. Let's talk about the transfer portal. We had some news break over the last uh, several days. Women's soccer, Morgan White hit the transfer portal. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, she just made that uh, all Southeast region second team. We just talked about it on the last episode. We talked about how vital she was to the success and the turnaround that we saw in the second half of the season. And, you know, she fulfilled her obligation, right? She's a grad mm-hmm. transfer. This yeah. is, goes right along with what we said before. She, th- th- what more do you want? She mm-hmm. came here, competed, helped raise the perception and and the floor of this team and performed on the field and got a degree, got a degree. Now she gets to move on and and try her luck for someone else. You know, and if, if it's if you're chasing the championship, good, good. Mm-hmm. You're a great player. You fulfilled your obligation to Marshall. Marshall was good to you. You were good to them, and you deserve your opportunity to play for a title. Or if you just want to be closer to home. I don't know what the situation is. All I know is I'm not angry about it. You know, you, yeah. you got to do what you want to do, but it does suck as a herd fan. Mm-hmm. And also in this uh, transfer portal news, linebacker James Smyree uh, put him in there. He was a freshman. Freshman, yeah. So, appeared in yeah. five games I saw. Yeah. So um, I don't know what that ultimately is going to mean. You know, what can what can it mean? You don't know now with the way that the early signing period is and the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. You never know what what is going on. So uh, I w- we wish him all the best, of course. Uh, thank him for his time here at Marshall and Absolutely. giving us a commitment and you know, thanking enough of our program to want to be a part of it and giving if, giving us a year of your blood, sweat, and tears and hard work. Uh, but go get paid, man. Go get that roster spot. Go earn that playing time. I'm I'm here for it. Go succeed. If this isn't the place for you, go go make a name for yourself. We uh, wish you nothing but the best of luck for sure. And the last transaction is not technically a transfer because he was not here, but Tony Martin was a commit. Uh, for us and he decommitted uh, two days ago and then yesterday announced that he was 100% committed now to Western Michigan who had just offered him the day before Mm -hmm. so that's uh, for anyone that remembers he's a wide receiver Tim Martin Hall of Fame uh, Marshall Tim Martin Uh, it's his son Uh, so he has decommitted and now committed to Western Michigan and will not be in our next class. Now, so you would like to think because the sign, the ink is not dry. They can't sign, but it's so close yeah. to the earning signing period. You might as well think, okay, this one's probably for real, but uh, that's a bummer. He'd been in the green truck for a long time, a long, long time. And, and just as a parting word for me, and then I'll get some more reactions from you guys, but I know this sounds bad. We're talking about, Hey, we've got to decommit. Hey, we've got a, um, uh, a transfer. If you look at what has transferred out from us this year or in them so far <laughs> we're, versus we're our great. Peer, versus our peer schools, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just Google Coastal Carolina. Oh, what a week. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. uh, uh, make sure you put implosion in there because it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's folding. But um, our friends over at ODU, you know, I we get all the the stuff that the ODU monarchists, uh, our friends over there with their podcast, they are retweeting things and mm-hmm. it hits our timeline. They have had a slew of people uh, transferring out. Coastal, like I said, you know, it's every school. It's not just there. Al- Hill, Alabama had a bunch of starters uh, transfer out. It's it's not 
something that we should look at as a negative because we have had very few so far. Yeah. Maybe there will be more after the bowl game is played. I expect there to be somebody in there, a few people in there. But as of right now, I mean, Grayson McCall announced his before his bowl game, mm-hmm. you know, so ours is not near as bad as what's going on around the country. So real quick about this, right? I, a couple things. I expect there probably to be a couple more announcements following the bowl game. Mm-hmm. But along those lines, great job by this coaching staff and these players to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that right now. We'll focus mm-hmm. on the game. We're going to yep. keep all the news about the team. We're going to not be any type of distractions. Or The talking point is going to be the Myrtle Beach Bowl. That's mm-hmm. what it's going to be. Uh, ultimately, we hope that damn near everybody comes back, if not everybody. I mean, if you've got eligibility left, I would love to have you back in Kelly Green and White. Uh, but if you choose to move on, you choose to move on. There are several guys that <laughs> i got to be honest, I'm a little worried that they might not come back, but sure <laughs> would love to have them back for another year. But uh, you, no, you're right. Look at our peer schools. Um, whew, a, lot of, a lot of them are having rough weeks, particularly the team uh, whose field we're going to go hopefully catch a dub on here in a couple of days. But uh, transfer portal giveth, transfer portal taketh away. That's the way you have to that you have to take that approach. It's not always the end of the world when somebody leaves, and it's not always the second coming when somebody shows up. Hey, I said, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jed. Oh no, you're good. You're good. No, I just it's it's the nature it's the nature of the game now, and either you know you adapt or die. And I think uh, this speaks to Coach Huff's culture that he's building, and we've heard you know quite a bit about that. Is you know you build a culture of you, know, you build a good, you know, a good culture, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to bleed as much. Um, I think it goes to speak of the level of talent that we have um, and the quality of players that we have. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll discuss this further as we do the, the, the breakdown or the preview is, you know, we've, we've got some talent, we've got some skill. I mean, we're, we're not a, yeah, we're a team that struggled, but we're not a team that's uh, where the cupboards bare. Um, there's some holes to fill, but uh, there's, you know, I, th- I think this is the coach is building building a program here that people, student athletes, I think want to come and participate and be a part of. And I just I don't see in the near future a lot of bleeding in that. But I, I think, like you mentioned, you have to expect that. I mean, that's the portals here. You don't know why a kid has a reason why they want to go, you know, whether it's to be closer to home or playing time, what have you. You know, you have to expect a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, things are going to happen that will ultimately cause what you may call a little bit of bleeding, a coaching change. You know, guys that are really close to a position coach, he gets hired away, and now all of a sudden they want to continue to play for that guy. But that's been around as long as the game of football. You know, it's yeah. just now the systems are in place for these guys to leave <laughs> immediately. But that's a two-way street. You bring in a guy, maybe he brings some guys with him. Uh, maybe you look at it and you go, dang, record number of entrants into the transfer portal by a huge number and a very small percentage uh, in relation actually find new places to play. So cause for pause, if I'm a player, is my situation really that bad? Can I really improve my standing or am I willing to sacrifice what I perceive as prestigious or whatever, whatever to be closer to home or to get a better chance at playing these are all things i'm glad i don't have to consider i just get to set up here and talk into a microphone for a couple hours a week and <laughs> pretend like i know all the answers russ we got anything more How many yeah I j- no there, there's more that was okay. only that was only three Holy crap <laughs> but i just want to say that we i mentioned it last week we can't 
champion all these people that we're bringing in yeah. from the transfer portal and then bemoan when someone leaves one that's how some of these slots open up that we're bringing people in and two you know if we didn't have the ability to bring people in you know the the ability to bring them in means that there also has to be the ability for people to leave so it's going to happen mm-hmm. all right number four uh we talked about it a uh, long time ago about the basketball floor but it arrived yesterday morning. I saw it when it arrived. Um, just happened to have a forklift to help them uh, unload it and everything. But the floor is now being installed. The next time you'll be in the cam for a basketball game, you're going to see a brand new floor. Jed, you got thoughts on this one? Lead us off if you do. Yeah. Um, having gone to a few home games this year, uh, the floor, I mean, nothing wrong with the current floor from what I can from a, from a visual standpoint, um, but if I understand correctly, you know, there's only so many sandings you can do if, you know, floor only takes so much. Um, I've seen the renderings of the new floor, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, I think it matches, you know, I like what they're doing with the color schemes around uh, the athletic facilities, mm-hmm. and I think this will closely match that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Nothing wrong that I could, like I said, visually with the old floor, but excited to get something new, and I think fans are, will be pretty excited, especially, uh, uh, we should be able to open that up with Toledo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's great that they're using this road swing for both programs to get this floor down. Uh, but it's going to look so good on the broadcasts. And from, you know, for somebody like me who doesn't get to go to games because I'm a thousand miles away or 880 miles away, that's what I need. I need something that looks good on TV that makes it fun to watch. And you're right. It was nothing visually unappealing about it. But hey, this is more of the, What's the what's the hot button term? It's brand cohesion. It's the yeah. attention to detail. It's a whole new era of herd athletics. It's, you know, the, we're coming into the Sun Belt with a with an idea of branding, and everything needs to look the same. And this is just more of that, and it's going to look so good. I'm thrilled that uh, they're, you know, our players are going to be pumped to have a to walk into the cam and have a brand new floor. I mean. That's like new field turf. That's like a new stadium for, you know, the baseball team. It's like, finally, we get something new and cool. Everybody likes something new and cool. So this is just the next new and cool thing. Yeah, you mentioned the lifespan of the floor, the sandings. It cannot be sanded anymore. In fact, they only sanded the paint uh, inside. uh, And that was, and I, I mean, in the paint, the basketball term, the paint, not all of the paint uh, on the, on the floor, because they had the old CUSA logo, they had to get that off there and put SBC on there. So they did that only. And that's why it was a different shade. Mm. And uh, they, they had to take great care to do that because the other floor was not going to be available in time. So now that this is in, like you said, brand cohesion, we're also talking about, they're going to have curtains hung up where herd heaven used to be uh, and have that uh, boxed off because they're bringing people down as they've been doing all season they also have some uh new uh wraps graphics that are going to be going up on the walls any place that it was nothing but bare wall uh real high up they're going to have some uh stuff coming soon for that and you know i know that this was something i want to say four maybe even five years ago they were wanting to paint the ceiling and the rafters and everything in there black instead of white. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't know if that's something that can go on the docket, but it would drastically change that, that older dust all over the rafters kind of look because it's so high up in the design of that building. It's so hard to clean paint, do anything. 
and mix it in with the new herd lights that we have on the herd zone app we're talking about sorry we couldn't build a new basketball arena so let's just transform the one we have with a new floor some new graphics some paint and more intimate show. seating yeah, yeah yeah a light show so i i think it's great you know and when we're not talking about anything but curtains if if you need to open them up you know yeah. Move yeah. the curtains to the side, put people back up there. Yep. So uh, really good to see this goes along with the facilities talk that we had on the other sports, but it was a a thing into itself. Uh, our last thing, number five, is Micah Elaine breaks the school record in the 300 meter at the opening track and field event. And that 300 meter time that was set original or last time in 2017, she broke it with a time of 38, 38.44 seconds. In the first meet of the season, we were talking about being excited about the trajectory of these teams based on what we saw from the cross country team and coaching a little bit of a coaching shakeup there. We know Caleb's probably helping out with, I would venture to say distance running, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Micah was one of those athletes that we were excited was coming back. You know, we talked about some high performers that had exhausted their eligibility and were moving on to the next phases of life, but some were coming back. Micah was one of those that we were excited to come back because she performed at a high level last year. Now, I don't know if you look this up and I could be 100% wrong, but I'm going to say from Beckley. Is she from Beckley? Did you happen to look at that? No, I did not. I think she is. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to play the see if my mind's halfway decent game to start out the season. But what a killer achievement, an all-time record to start at the first meet of the season. That tells me the track and field team is ha, off and running. She's from fun. Beckley. She's yeah. from Beckley. Yeah, Beckley. In-state gal doing in-state <laughs> things for the herd. You love it. You love it. All right. Well, that wraps up our five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. And as usual, it's brought to you by Ignite Link. And for those of you that are on YouTube following along with us, that's that guy right there. <laughs> yeah. Get you need a, a, if you need a sound yeah. system upgrade, I know a guy. He's... <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah give, give, give Jed a call, guys. If you got any, not just you, but anyone that you know that needs IT uh, support, doesn't want to tackle that in-house, let them help you. We, Jed, we while, we've, while we've got you, I don't mean to cut you off, but while we got you before we transition, this sounds like a great time yeah. for you to take 30 seconds and just let everybody know where you are, how to get a hold yeah. of you, and what you do before we go into this Myrtle Beach Bowl preview. Sure, sure. I'm actually sitting in my office at the moment. Um, yeah, we uh, right here in downtown Huntington, we're actually on uh, the Ninth Street Plaza. Um, we started Ignite Link about five years ago uh trying to we wanted to provide a a quality it solution for small to medium-sized businesses so uh the gist of what we do is you call us we come in and we become your it department um like the tagline says you know we make it easier so you can do it better our 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 goal is for you to not have to worry about your security and your it let us handle that for you and you know you worry about running your business and and we become strategic partners with you in business uh, to help you operate at a very, very high level. How can I get a hold of you if I need to, if Absolutely. I need your services? <laughs> just yes, call yes. him. Uh, 
Yes. Calling. Hey, I mean, I've got him on a podcast here, so I could just talk to him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just holler at me. No. Um. So a couple of ways you could look us up on uh, social media. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're looking at revamping those. Um, there's been a little quiet lately, but we're looking to revamp those. So it's just facebook.com slash ignitelink, twitter.com. You know, our handle is at ignitelink. Um, my personal email, jed at ignite.link, um, or you can give us a call. Uh, if you can find us online, find our number, uh, give us a call. Uh, so multiple ways. It's 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 pretty hard not to find us. So just look up Ignite Link, and uh, you'll you'll find some avenue to get a hold of us. And uh, uh, that's 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 pretty much it. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't say we thoroughly appreciate you being a sponsor of the five things every herd fan needs to know, helping us out tremendously on uh, a different level with Thundercast Live and just how instrumental you guys have been in supporting what we do here at the Thundercast and helping us to do great things for herd fans. So it's great to have you here today. We get to talk about a game. We get to talk about a big game and what we are hoping will culminate in a nine win season for 2022. So that's uh, that's it's really great to have you here. So let's let's do that. Mm-hmm. It's the Myrtle Beach Bowl preview and boy oh boy have I got a ton of notes. I don't know how uh long-winded this might be, but I've got a lot of notes here. Myrtle Beach Bowl going down Monday, December 19th at 2:30 p.m. on the big one. ESPN uh, only bowl game of the day, which makes it a kind of a weird kick time if it's the only game of the day. But hey, 2.30, we'll take it. Uh, going down at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, the home of Coastal Carolina. Temperature in the day, on game day will be in the mid-50s. So for you guys that are going, don't expect a burner of a day. You're not looking at 80 degrees. It'll be mid-50s, somewhere between 50 and 55 for the high. Maybe a slight chance of rain on the day too, so plan accordingly. Uh, Brooks Stadium is a 21,000-seat venue, so it should be a nice, small, intimate viewing um, of the game that's going down against the UConn Huskies, the independent UConn Huskies, I might add, a 6-6 and ball club. This is Marshall's 18th bowl game of the FBS era, by the way, 19th overall, but 18th in the FBS era. The herd currently sets 12 and five all time in bowl games, making him the second all time in winning percentage in bowl games with a 70.6 win percentage. This will be the second matchup with the Yukon Huskies going back to 2015 in the St. Petersburg bowl played at Tropicana field. Uh, it was a 16 to 10 herd victory, which, Funny, by the way, that was my first ever trip to Tampa and St. Petersburg. And when we came down there, I thought, dang, this is really nice. And then two years later, we moved here. Uh, Marshall is on a current three-game bowl losing streak. So we're looking to end the schneid there and get back to doing what we have historically done, which is win bowl games. Here's the kicker. Uh, The herd sets it second all-time, like I mentioned. Utah is the number one all-time winningest bowl program in terms of winning percentage with a 72.2, I'm sorry, with a, uh, what did I say, 70.6? They are at 70.8%. We are nipping at the heels. So if Utah loses the Rose Bowl against Penn State and Marshall wins this one, we move right back into the first all-time slot in winning percentage, bringing Marshall up to 72.2% and dropping Utah down to 68%. So we got some personal pride on the line here outside of the game. UConn, I mentioned, is a 6-6 and team, uh, independent, not playing in a conference, which means they play a very weird schedule. They started the team a lot like the Herd. Uh, they started two and four, 
with wins over over Central Connecticut and Fresno State, the surprising win against Fresno State. That game uh, was at in stores. Losses against Utah State, Michigan, and NC State on the road, and then a loss to Syracuse at home. And then they turned it around a little bit. Finished the season four and two, much like the herd finished five and one in their final six. Uh, UConn got wins over. FIU on the road and Boston College and UMass and Liberty at home, and then a loss to Ball State and a loss to Army on the road. Now, of those, their best win, I would imagine, is Liberty. They finished the season eight and four. No other team on the schedule that they got a win against in the latter half of the season finished with a winning record. In fact, UMass was a one win team, Boston College was a three win team, and FIU was a four-win team. Initial game thoughts. Jed, we'll start with you. Just roughly, we call it the bird's-eye view around here. Mm -hmm. When you think about this game, what do you think in this one might look like? Uh, I think you see a dominating defense like we've seen all year from Marshall. Um, I I think it's – UConn's going to have a very hard time scoring. Uh, I think think we continue our trend – uh, where we're going to continue to to ramp up, especially on offense. And I think we put them away. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, this is not a team you worry, you know, you don't worry about. I think that's, I think that would be naive to stay. But, uh, but I, I really feel good about this one. And, and I think we'll see some, we'll see some pretty good things here to, to close out the year. Where you at, Russ? Being well, 30,000 30, feet up. You said, uh, two and four and four and two, which is correct. But that uh, sixth game started their, their turnaround win. That was uh, Fresno. So they were actually one and four and then had to win five of their last seven just to make bowl eligibility. And their first five games, their one win was against central Connecticut state and FCS school. So they could not have started any, any worse, Mm -hmm. but they played Syracuse. They played, uh, Michigan they played uh who NC, else was NC, it? State. NC State yeah so they they had a little bit of a rougher schedule they had their starting quarterback go down in the first quarter or second quarter of the very first game transfer from Penn State uh he had rushed for a touchdown in that game early on blew out his knee out for the season they had some adversity they came back they played a not a good schedule to be able to do that they don't have much of a, a passing attack, but they run a lot. That just happens to play into our defensive strength, even though we're pretty good against the pass as well. It looks like an uphill battle for these Huskies, and it looks like we should be able to go in and play our game, keep the momentum and the rhythm from what we've done so far in these uh, last six games and get out with a win. Yeah, I think you would probably feel pretty good about the matchup as well. UConn fans are excited about it. I think they, a lot of them feel like we feel. It's like, man, we made a bowl. You mentioned before in previous conversations, this is the first bowl they have made since 2015. Yeah. And while their fans are excited to be bowl eligible again and make a bowl game, I'm sure they would be thrilled to have played someone else that they yeah. didn't just get done playing. But look, you guys both like the matchup. Power Index likes the matchup. 79.8% chance for the Herd to win in this neutral site bowl game. Herd currently sits as we, rec- as we record minus 10 and an over-under of 41 points if you're into that sort of thing. But let's talk about some players we've got to look out for for this UConn offense and defense. I've got some slew of stats here. 
to uh, kind of bring some context to this matchup. It starts, unfortunately, with the quarterback who was thrust into action uh, due to the injury of the projected starter or the day one starter. And a theme you're going to see as we run through a lot of these players is they are young. I mean, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. I don't think I wrote down a senior player to to look out for until like the third defensive player. So I went through like six or seven players before I got to a senior. But it starts with with the quarterback, number 11 quarterback, Zion Turner, 5'11", 198-pound freshman, 140 out of 231 on the season. 1,241 yards, nine touchdowns versus seven interceptions. He was sacked 18 times on the season, including nine times in the last five. Uh, Fifth leading rusher on the team, 84 carries for 237 yards and one more touchdown on the ground. You mentioned they like to run the ball, and they do. And, And as such, I have written down three running backs to pay attention to for this UConn Huskies team. Number 22, Victor Rosa. The 5'11", 198-pound freshman, 124 carries, leads the team. 561 yards, leads the team. Nine touchdowns on the ground, also leads the team. Uh, they have a body type, apparently, that they like, and it's a right, right around that 5'9", 5'10", 175 to 200-pound model because that's what most of these guys are. Number 25, Devontae Houston, 5'9", 170-pound sophomore, 79 carries, 538 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. That's 6.8 yards per carry. The clip here is he's listed on ESPN's website as questionable. So pay attention to that. He may or may not trot out there for the game. And lastly, running back standpoint, number 26, Nathan Carter, 5'9", 199-pound sophomore, 65 carries for 405 yards and one touchdown, good for 6.2 yards per carry. So I added it all up, right? Uh, That's a total of 1,504 yards with these three running backs and 13 touchdowns on the ground. For context, Kalen Laburn rushed for 1,423 yards and 16 touchdowns on the ground. Not tossing shade, I'm just saying. Uh, A couple of wide receivers we'll take note of. Wide receiver, this is not my brother-in-law, Aaron Turner, but... That is my brother-in-law. Uh, the five foot seven, one hundred and seventy-eight pound sophomore, five, uh, fifty-two catches leads the team for four hundred sixty-two yards. Also leads the th- the team and three touchdowns through the air. Also leads the team. And number sixteen, wide receiver Kevin's Clarius Clarius That's a rough name. Six foot two, two hundred and twelve pound sophomore, twenty-four catches, two hundred eighty-eight yards, and one touchdown on the ground. I've got a bunch of stats. But Russ, Jed, let's talk about what this says to you before I get into these uh, last five stats. All right. So <clears throat> you mentioned uh, the running back, uh, was it Houston, that is questionable? Yes. All right. So Carter has not played since after the first four games. So he okay. totaled 405 yards in those first four games. And looking at the game log, he had 190, 123. 71 and then 21 against Michigan and then he hadn't played since so I know he's somebody to watch out for because he's not listed on any injury report we can find you know he he's had a long time to heal whatever it is but he's not listed as out so I I don't know but if he doesn't play and the other guy's questionable their their number two rusher this looks like it goes from Oh, they got a good rushing team to, uh, who are they going to put out there? <laughs> Somebody's you know? going to have to have a career day. That's what it yeah. starts to look like. So, yeah, they had a lot of rushing yards and everything, but this guy had nearly half of his in the first game. And yeah. 
hasn't played after the fourth game. Um, it looks like they're undersized and going to kind of struggle on offense. I mean, that's just what it looks like to me. We'll get into more of it later, but yeah, quick take. That's it. Yeah, quick take. Jed, what's your quick take based on these numbers that we just yeah. talked about? Yeah, I, I didn't know about the guy who didn't he he racked up those numbers in the first four games. Uh so that kind of well, you're you're taking a what you'd consider their strength and you're weakening it quite a quite a bit, especially as it plays into our strength. Um, you know, so you know, you know how we've been with the runs. Now I will say this, it seems to me that um the past few games that uh you know, we've gone against pass heavy teams and they've run against us. They've, they've had a little bit more success, but even then, um, you know, our defense has still been pretty stifling. Um, so it, it to me uh, looks like if, if they're not able to make it happen on the ground, you know, what's, what's that pass attack look like? Yeah, mm-hmm. It's probably not going to be that great. Um, you know, I, again, you know, predictions here, um, but you could see a, a game where, yeah, we we may hold them to single digits. You, well, it's, uh, in, it's entirely possible. I don't I don't mean to cut you off. You talking about this passing attack? Russ yeah. talked about that starting quarterback being gone in the first game, or maybe the yeah in the first game. So that means uh, young freshman quarterback Zion Turner has twelve hundred and forty one yards across eleven and a half games. Mm-hmm. I mean, do the math. You yeah. know, that's not a lot of pass production. Uh, and, and he throws the ball up for grabs What, according to what the stats say. Nine touchdowns versus seven interceptions. It's not a great touchdown-interception ratio. So if you can't run the ball, they're going to have to, you know, basically come out with an entirely new-look offense. And they may be put forced into that situation anyway because Marshall, we know, is stifling against the run. You can rack up some yardage against them. You can break a big run against them. But it's I just nobody has been able to effectively do that to beat them. You know, even even when Coastal put 21 in the first quarter, that was enough to beat them. But they mm-hmm. didn't do jack squat for the remaining mm-hmm. three quarters. I just don't see UConn right. coming out with the with the firepower to throw 21 up in the first quarter. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Turner yeah. Turner had uh, nine. You mentioned this already. Nine touchdowns in 11 and a half games, well, almost 11 and three quarter games. He had four games that he didn't throw for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Four, four games. Uh, one of which, and again, this is Michigan, so it's sure. something, but he was four for 16 for 17 yards, and that's your starting quarterback. Now, I'm not saying we're Michigan, but when you look at the rankings of where our defense is and Michigan's, yeah, it was total, two totally different schedules that we played, but we're up there right with them. This could be ugly for a freshman quarterback, especially if he doesn't have his running game behind him. Houston was out the the one that's questionable he was out for I think two games maybe three games uh middle of the season and as I mentioned you know Carter was out after game four um the last thing that I'll tell you besides one game or I'm sorry two games of 172 and 173 yards from Zion Turner he has not thrown for more than 130 yards in any game those two games which is not much more he's not had any more than 173 yards in the air they are a run heavy team they they run uh pretty much two plays rushing for every play passing and if you're taking away some of their running weapons they've they've had next man up it looks like all season to be able to do that but it's not looking good 
Yeah, it it doesn't look like a positive matchup if if you're missing one of your key cogs, and if you're mm-hmm. missing if you're missing one and another one's dinged up, it really starts to get daunting. Your run game starts to get depleted pretty quickly. Uh, one huge, huge positive for this UConn Huskies offense. They have a third-team AP All-American on the offensive line, right? Offensive guard Christian Haynes, a six foot three, two, uh, three hundred and five pound junior. So you've got to think, even if they're a little bit depleted, they're going to be running behind that guy because you, if you're a damn All-American, an AP All-American, you're pretty darn good. So that's yep. something to take note of. Uh, let's do this last five, right? The Marshall and UConn had a really good positive final five games of the season. Uh, to both get them to bowl eligibility, Marshall had a little bit of an easier path. Did it a little bit sooner, but still, let's let's talk about those last five. This UConn offense averaging twenty two point eight points per game over their last five total yards per game, just over three hundred at three hundred and twenty five. Far more run heavy, two hundred almost two hundred and eight yards a game on the ground versus one hundred and seventeen through the air. They average about sixteen first downs a game. Uh, they are fairly decent on third down. It's down overall from the season, uh, but they're 32% on third down, averaging about four of 13 per game over the last five. Turnovers, uh, uh, giveaways, I guess I should say, turnovers given 1.2 a game, and they average right around 30 to 31 minutes of time of possession on offense per game. So it really starts to sound like if you can stop this off this rushing offense, that's that's basically the battle right there. Conversely, this herd defense across its final five, four and one on the season, uh, points allowed 15 and a half points per game, which we famously talk about. Yards allowed 304. Uh, they they only allow just over 100 yards a game in their last five with 103.2, 200.8 passing yards. Uh, first downs per game, this herd defense is allowing around 17 and a half. Uh, third down percentage, we've talked about it, down to 26% over their last five with an average of 3.8 of 14. So that's right on line with what UConn is getting anyway. Takeaways per game, this herd defense is right around a, a takeaway and a half per game with the time of possession only being on the field 28 minutes. So 10% less than uh, the offense over the last five. Let's talk about this UConn defense. Some players to look out for. I've got three of them. Linebacker number eight, Jackson Mitchell, six foot one, two hundred and twenty-nine pound junior, hundred and thirty-three total tackles on the season. That's pretty legit. Fifty mm. of those solo, four and a half sacks, one interception, two forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, and one of those went for a touchdown. This guy is the one you've got to put a circle around. I mean, he's the guy. Uh, number nineteen defensive back, uh, Durante Jones, number six foot, one hundred and ninety-three pound sophomore, ninety total tackles from that defensive back spot. Thirty-nine of those solo, one interception, one forced fumble, and two passes defended. And then number zero, uh, linebacker Brandon Boyer Randall, six foot two, two hundred and forty pound. Here comes the first senior of the day. Um, 88 total tackles, 31 of those solo, one sack, and two interceptions. Impact plays, impact plays, impact plays for UConn. 25 total tax on the ta- total sacks on the season, good for about two a game. 12 interceptions on the season, good for about one a game. Force fumbles and fumble recoveries, both eight, good for about three quarters of one of those per game. Lou, um, what do you think about this UConn defense before we get into some – you know, last fives. Jed, we'll start with you this time. Where, where, do, what strikes you, if anything, about this UConn defense? Um, 
they, as as we well know, our offense has not been. Oh, I'm not going to call it stellar or or not stellar either. Um, but it has been improving. Um, I, I think I think there are a few people on their defense that could give us some fits, uh, especially this guy. I think it's very important that we take extra special care of the ball. Um, you know, I've, we've done fairly well in the turnover game uh, last few games, uh, protecting the ball, but that's going to be super critical. Um, just because I feel like our defense can handle their offense. I feel like their defense can give us a little bit of fits, uh, but with the progression of Fancher um, and some of this passing game that we've put together, I I don't see us having too much trouble uh, if we protect the ball and win the turnover game. I, I mean, I would tend to agree with most of those points. I feel like it's Jackson Mitchell you have to account for first and foremost, and then everything else will kind of take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Russ, where are you at with this UConn defense? Well, we talked about Jackson Mitchell, um, or you did, and we had talked about Carlton Marshall and how his stats and everything and uh, Jason Henderson up at ODU. And Mitchell has put up those tackling numbers in the same kind of realm, same conversation that uh, those guys have, but he has the sacks. He has the forced fumbles. Five fumble recoveries. Yeah. I mean, he had uh, had – uh, three forced fumbles this year and two last year or two this year and three last year or something like that. He had 114 tackles last year. This guy is a player. He's all around the ball. And it's not just the, when we were talking about Owen Porter versus Carlton Marshall versus Henderson, we talked about, you know, getting in on assisted tackles and not having the big impact plays. This guy has the impact plays. He has the tackles and the impact plays. Uh, I feel like he's going to have his work cut out for him with the three-headed rushing monster that we have now uh, that we did not have until the last two games of the year. And that realistically with the first game back being a let's get the rust off the wheels, we've really only seen one game. We've also seen now that those guys have time to prep 15 practices before this bowl game healing time to get better, to get stronger. I think that our rushing attack is probably going to run all over UConn. I look for us to put up well over 250 yards rushing, and I do think they've got some playmakers on defense, but there's not enough of them, and one guy cannot defeat us (laughs) as good as Jackson Mitchell is. Yeah. One guy cannot a defense make, right? That's right. Uh, so let's talk about these last five, the 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 stat or the numbers versus uh, the UConn defense, what they're doing versus what the hurt offense has been doing. Last five for this UConn defense, 21 points per game allowed. Uh, yards allowed 367, and they do it in a very even fashion. 175 pass yards allowed, 179 rush yards allowed, but I got a star. I got to put a star in the pass yards category. One of those games was against Army, and Army threw one pass in the game, and it was incomplete, and they tallied zero pass yards. So that's kind of a gimme in the pass yards category to bring that total down so low. First downs, this UConn defense is allowing roughly 17 per game. Uh, Third down defense, they're giving up a conversion to the opposition 40% of the time. 
Uh, opposition is 29 of 72 in that last five, which is an average of 5.8 out of 14.4 over that last five. Takeaways, this UConn defense is getting 1.6 per game, right on par with what this herd defense is getting. Time of possession, though, not as good as Marshall, really close to that 29 and a half to 30 minute average for this uh, this defense. So UConn's kind of a 30, 50-50 game team. You know, half the time they're on the field, half the time they're not. Marshall's not really that way. Uh, this herd offense, points per game, averaging in their last five, 20.8. So right on par with what UConn is allowing. Yards per game, this herd offense is getting 430 yards total offense, passing 222 and rushing 200 and just about 208 per game. First downs, this herd offense is averaging 22 first downs a game over our last five and, and are converting their third down attempts almost at 40%, 39.8%, with an average of 6.6 out of 16.6 attempts per game. So call it six and a half out of six or a seven out of 17 if you want. Giveaways, this herd offense has given the ball up 1.2 times per game over their last five and is averaging 31 and a half minutes of possession, um, which of course aids in keeping that defense a little bit fresher and a little bit more energetic over the course of a game. So I really like in those categories how this starts to match up for this herd offense and this herd defense. It's really good. So let's move into some keys to the game before we get uh, going. Jed, do you have some written down? How many do you have if you do, or are you going to be shooting from the hip? I'm shooting from the hip today. Shooting from the hip. Russ, how many do you have? Living it up. I didn't write any down for the first time shooting in a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm shooting from the hip as well. Well, uh, I have four, so right. as always. But anyway, yeah. I like I like the spontaneity of this of this offense. Yeah, I'll tell you, you what, Jed, what is your number one key to victory for the herd? Listen, I'm 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 going to steal from you guys uh, a phrase that you guys use often with uh, with with your run. Our our run ab- you know our run ability with the three headed monster, let him eat, let him eat, let him eat, and and I think that 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 just takes care of itself. I what do you do? Pick one, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you may have uh, they may have a couple couple big big guys there who's gonna make some plays, but if you got three guys in that backfield, who who are you gonna pick? You right, know, you're gonna pick. Fancher can beat you with your with his legs, you know, labored. Ali, you can't stop them all. So, Payne, uh, Montgomery, Gamage, who who you want? <laughs> right. <laughs> so 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 let him eat, and and I think the you know it's that would be first first key uh, for me. Russ, what's your number one key to victory for the herd? It's rushing dog. I mean, you just got to give it to him, give it to Laboring, give it to Ali, and then turn loose the wheels on uh, Fancher as well. I say you just keep rushing until they can stop it. Now, I expect us to pass. I do. Sure. But if they're not stopping the run, feed that run. I already got my phrase stolen, but let them <laughs> dogs eat, man. Let them eat. So that is, uh, that is by far to me, I mean, they're not going to be able to stop, you know, we can do it. I know it's not going to be that way. I, I know that it's not going to be, um, you know, one guy for the full first half and then they're bringing in, they'll probably rotate series like they did the last couple of games and everything. 
we might see a, a dual backfield, you know, which we've seen sparingly since mm-hmm. in these last two games. But again, you key in and you stop one guy and you wear him down. And then we just bring in almost his equal and have him run fresh legs. So I think this defense, man, they're going to get eaten up. And that is my number one key. Our rushers have to do it. Yep. Uh, I'm going to echo that to a degree. My first key to victory is it's a little bit of an all encompassing thing, but when I started working on these strengths, it kept, or these keys of victories, it kept coming back to one word and it was strength. So ultimately my number one key to victory came down to prioritize your strengths, which is, play solid defense, run the ball, and excellent third down defense. That's what you got to do to win this game because that's what's gotten Marshall the lion's share of their wins, if not all of their wins, this year. Uh, so we, if, as long as you prioritize the strengths and hang your hat on stopping the run, running the ball, and uh, excellent third down defense, getting off the field, you could weather the storm of a turnover or two to still get this win. might probably be closer than you want it to be but you give yourself a margin of error. So my number one key to victory is prioritize your strengths. Jed, what's your number two key to victory for the herd? Time of possession, I think, is going to be big, which kind of leads from my, my number one point coming from letting the meat on the rushing side. Um, it, it's it, If you're going to weather that storm, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that just before, uh, just a second ago about, you know, we could weather the storm of a turnover or two if we do that. Um yeah, and, and we've and we've shown if we play our game, which is, you know, stifling defense, putting up enough points on the board to win, then you know we're you know the odds are in our favor. So um, all that to say, yeah, my second point would be time of possession, eat that clock, march the ball down, get us some scores. Don't you know? Don't you know? Get down there, then have to punt a lot or, or settle for field goals. Let's go down there, score but time of possession. Excellent point. Russ, what's your number two? Control their running game. If we stop their running game, they cannot beat us with the pass. Uh, I have them, they've got 4.8 yards per carry. A lot of that goes with that offensive line, including the uh, All-American that you mentioned. But um, I think if we hold them, I'm not so much worried about if they eke out 100 yards, if they get 150 yards. I think if we hold them to an average of around three yards per carry, then that's more key to me. I don't care if they get 300 yards, if they have to rush it 100 times to do so. They're not going to beat us. So uh, I think if we control that rushing attack, we control this game. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It's it's less about the overall number than it is about the – yards per carry uh my number one key to or my number two key to victory for the herd is i think we have to play from ahead score early and play with the lead and 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 uh, this marshall team seems to do better when they don't have to get back into it or even the score you know or or try to they they, they look like they press a little bit more when they're trying they want to hurry up and erase that lead that the opposition might have so playing from ahead to me allows this team to take a breath and do what they like to do. So the sooner we can get on the board, uh, we the sooner we can settle into our game. We saw a number of times where Marshall went down and scored on their opening possession in the latter half of the season, and we didn't see that early on. So that here, getting able to get back in that groove after a longer layoff, 
If there is any rust, get who whichever team can knock that rust off the soonest and get into the end zone first is going to have a leg up in this game. Ultimately, I still like Marshall's chances, but it's a much easier path to victory if you're the team that can knock the rust off first and get in the end zone first. So that's my number two key to victory play from ahead. Jed, you got a third? Yeah. Um, win the turnover battle. I, I think this is a big one. Um, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, they do have some playmakers. Um, you know, they, you know, we have to take good, you know, we have to take good care of the ball. Uh, and I feel like, uh, Fancher, uh, Laburn, you know, Ollie in his short time pain, those guys running the ball have done a really good job limiting turnovers from, from that side of things. Uh, so as long as we continue to do that, um, don't give them those easy points, great field position, things like that, uh, where, you know, our offense is giving them some freebies, our defense will do the work. So limit the, you know, win the turnover battle. Yeah, excellent. another excellent point. Um, we see Marshall just lose games strictly by losing the turnover battle before. Mm -hmm. All things considered equal, if they even the turnover margin, they probably come out with a win in those games. Uh, so that that will be paramount uh, again in this one, I imagine. Uh, Russ, where's your what's your number three? Keep them out of the red zone by controlling the field position. They have an excellent kicker. Uh, has not missed an extra point. Uh, no Rulas, I think is his name, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he is 12 for 15 on field goals with a long of 54, which is tied for seventh in the country this year. And that is his only attempt over 50 yards. So we know that he can make that. So you're going to have to keep them not just out of the red zone, but this guy can score from the, if he hit it from 54, he was on the 27 yard line, you know, is where they got to. So if they get inside the 30, they could get points on the board. So we need to keep them on the opposite end of the field. How do we do that? They are averaging 34.6 yards per punt. That's not good. So <laughs> if, if we can let our defense do what it does best, we yeah. should be able to get the ball on a shorter field. We should be able to keep them uh, on that end of the field. So even if we turn it over on downs, they have a longer way to get back over to us. I think we should be able to accomplish this. But if we do that, they also have no chance of beating us. Yeah. Yeah. The, the field position thing always seems to be a uh, point of emphasis. And sometimes when we've been on the wrong side of that and have still yeah. been able to pull out a win because our defense yeah. is so strong and right. it's always been that, that easy setup like Jed is talking about, you know, the turnover inside the 30 and now they've got a, they're already in field goal position. Yep. So that's an excellent point as well. My number three key to victory for Marshall is something I'm calling constantly apply the pressure, right? I talked about all of these players on offense and defense that are freshmen, sophomore, young guys, right? And, and they face, they've been battle tested to a degree. You face Michigan, you face, you face NC state and teams like that. You've been battle tested a little bit. I mean, a lot of it, let's face it. Michigan's in the college football playoff. NC state's no slouch. Fresno state had a great showing in the mountain West this year. So they've played some good teams, but they haven't played any of those teams in the latter half of the season. And I don't know that they've faced a team outside of maybe Michigan, NC State, something like that, that has a defense as fast as what we have. Um, I'm not sure that they have faced an, uh, a backfield as vaunted from top to bottom, Michigan included, 
as ours. Uh, so is that a, is that a, is that a bold statement? Hell yeah, it is. But we got bold running backs. We got bold runners. You know, I stand by that statement. Uh, so I say we got to constantly apply the pressure, and that means maybe running a little bit of a up to up tempo offense. Let Marshall get into a groove. Cam really seems to do well when they're running a a a, an, a, a quicker paced offense. And on defense, I think you just got to blitz this quarterback from everywhere. Like. Mm-hmm. It, Name a guy on our roster that cannot get to the quarterback that starts on that defense or that is in the two deep or the three deep even. They can all get to the quarterback. They can all get home. So keeping this young kid guessing, keeping him off his spot, looking around, forcing him into bad decisions and and so-so throws, I like our chances to come down with those, right? So constantly applying the pressure, 60 minutes of constant pressure and a stranglehold on these Huskies. And I like the herd's chances in a big way. Do, do do either of you have a fourth key to victory? Yep. Okay, Russ. Since you do, uh, let's have it. We'll let Jed maybe come up with one if he wants to. Make a statement. We need to come out, show out, and just have a big beach celebration. It's a party, and everyone at Marshall's invited. I want to rack up stats. I want to have those huge impact turnovers. I want to have the the sacks. I want the crowd who should be Huntington South down mm-hmm. there. I want to have an absolute, we're making a statement. This is who Marshall is. Send some of our guys that are our four-year, five-year players that this will be the last time in the herd uniform for them. Uh, I want them to have a memorable, memorable game. And I think that we have the talent to do so. We need to have that desire to do so. Just go down there and make this look like a video game. Just everyone, just hard as you can for 60 minutes, send us home with a great cap to the season and leading into an off season where we're just going to get better for next year. I love that. Jed, uh, care to springboard off of that? I, I don't know how you beat that, man. You can't. You can't. I win. I win. <laughs> yeah, I win. No, you're, but no, you're, yeah, I, I love that point. Um, it's, we, the season's been a bit of an up and down. Um, you know, Russ and I both got the privilege of, uh, uh, sitting in the stands in South Bend, Indiana, and witness history in the making. Um, and to follow that week with, with what happened the following week. And so we've had some highs and lows, but at, at the end of the season, we we know what this team is capable of. Um, and I want to leave no doubt in people's minds that, you know, this uh, what happened up in South Bend was not a fluke. It, it was not accidental. You know, Notre Dame did not lose that game. We went up there and we won. And, and that's because we've got a, a team of very talented individuals who could go out and 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 make some plays and and so i would like to see that uh see that saturday i think we're very capable of doing that of going out and just showing them hey we're we're marshall and we do we do marshall things which you know sorry yukon you're you're going to be on the receiving end of that so i i find it odd that um Russ said what he said because I have been thinking that the same thing this whole time. This is the opportunity that you want. You're on the only football game of the day, right? You're on ESPN. You have the opportunity to go out and utterly dominate a football game. There's no point in this 
if you look at these matchups and you go, well, they kind of have the edge here. What they do really good, we do better. And what we do really good in some areas, they don't even measure up with. So this is a real opportunity to put the Sun Belt on the map again in a larger way in what was perceived in a kind of a down year because some of their historically stronger programs, App State, for example, was having a down year. They didn't make a bowl game, right? So a lot of news with these new teams that came in. Uh, James Madison made a lot of noise. Marshall made a lot of noise. Southern Miss had a big turnaround, and Old Dominion won some games. You know, so it was this was a there was a lot of news around the Sun Belt for those reasons as well. But at the end of the day, this is an opportunity to beat the ever loving dog snot out of a out of a football team. Get to nine wins. Leave no doubt that you are somebody to contend with next season in the Sun Belt. I don't need to. I don't need for people to go. Man, Marshall's going to be really tough. Look what happened to Coastal. Look what happened to this. That's not the reason I want to be a, a feared team. It's because of what other teams happened to them. I want them to look at us and go, damn, that team is stacked. Mm-hmm. They are. The, you might as well circle that Marshall-James Madison game next year as the game that might settle the East next year, right? That's the type of statement I want to make. I want to come out and put 45, 50 points on the board. I don't want to let up on the throttle. I don't want anybody – to leave that game thinking, I had a little bit more left in the tank. I want them all to be like, man, we went out there and beat the ever-loving hell out of this team, and it's really good to get Marshall back to winning a bowl game. This is what we needed. And and it is. For 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 all that that would mean, it's a little bit of, a, of, of an energy injection into the veins of Herd fans because I think they're a little tired of losing bowl games, honestly. And it'd be nice to get one again. Uh so that that I, I can't. It is a party. I love you said it. it's a party, and everybody from Marshall's invited. They mm-hmm. are. So if you can go, go. We're going to give away. I'll be there. Away, we've given away two tickets already. I know this won't get uploaded in time, but we're going to give away our other two tickets today. We're sending four people to the game, and I hope that ten thousand more show up and feel. I hope one whole side of that stadium is Kelly green and white and black. Just like mm-hmm. there's no reason it shouldn't be. This is a dream location for a lot of herd fans. Myrtle Beach? (laughs) (laughs) What? I mean, that might as well be like. Might as well be a home game. Yeah, might as well be Jones Edwards (laughs) Stadium. So the herd does all the things that we talk about. We all really like the herd's chances to get a win in this game. So with that being said, Russ, who is your Thundercast Myrtle Beach Bowl player of the game, you think? Rasheen Ali. The only uh, only qualifier that I have for that is that man 100% wanted to rush into the end zone in that last game. Yeah. You could see it on on his body language. He wanted to get in the end zone. Now, he got in there on a pass, five-yard pass from Fancher. Um, it's not the same. He wants to come out. He wants to do it. I look for him to make a huge statement in this game. He did last year. He was the best player on the field in the New Orleans Bowl last year, without a doubt. Even Cajun fans will tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Jed, who's your Thundercast Myrtle Beach Bowl player of the game? Well, I'm going to flip it over to the defensive side. Um, I want to do the cop-out thing and say the whole defense like you guys tend to do. But, and, uh... <laughs> and, like, once a year. <laughs> All right, the one time, the one time you guys did that. That's uh, the only time we'll ever do that on this show. <laughs> the only time you'll ever do that. Uh, no, I, I think I think you got to give uh, – you got to let Owen Porter eat a little bit more. Uh, I think he is 
he's due for a few more sacks and a few more uh, disruptive plays. Um, I, you know, and I'm singling him out uh, just because I want to see him. I'd love to see him end the year the way he started the year with a scoop and score. Um, I'd love to see something like that happen. Um, but uh, I, I see him doing Owen, Owen Porter things and, uh, you know, having more highlights for us to see. So I that's going to be be who I picked for for the player of the game. Well, the defensive side. I, I got to go offense, too, just because I think this is going to be a statement thing. You know, our, our head coach is an offensive minded coach. That's very much his personality. And uh, in, in the run game is an extension of him. Right. Uh, I love Russ's pick of Rasheen Ali. I'm going with Kalen Labron, and I'll tell you why. This is it for him as far as we know. You know, he, he, we've talked about him being, what, 23 years old, maybe something like that. I think he's 24. 24 years old and having to make that, quote, unquote, business decision about his future because you're 24. You know, uh, we've been we've come to learn that if he choose to come back, he has another year. But uh, will he? You know, so I, I'm I'm going off of the gut feeling that this is the last game we'll see. For labor and he's going to test the waters at the pro level, which is something I could not fault him for. He's got the talent to be there. So being that this is the last one, being that we haven't seen him accept an invite to anything like the Senior Bowl or the Hula Bowl or the East West Shrine Bowl or anything like that yet. I haven't seen that yet. This, for all intents and purposes currently, is his final opportunity to put something on film at the collegiate level. All year long, I thought, man, he's going to go over 200 yards. He's going to get us a huge game, and he came close, 191 yards. This is it. He's going to go two bills. I'm not saying I mean, Rasheen Ali also might go for over 100 yards. <laughs> I don't know. But Kalen Labern in his herd, what I feel to be his herd finale, God, I hope I'm wrong, is, uh, is, the, is the Thundercast player of the week for me. Give me 200 bills or two bills on the ground, couple scores, a statement game, signature game. Uh, to to close out this herd career in potentially what we may view as one of the best ever, if not the best ever, single year performances for the herd in a single year player. God, I hope he comes back though. Uh, do you have a score prediction, Russ? Let's start with you. I always have a score prediction, and this one may uh, may get some shocks. Give me forty five to six, Mar- Marshall in an absolute drubbing God. to come out. Hey, I said it's a party. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of parties you guys go to or what kind of parties you <laughs> want to go to, but I don't want to go to a 12-9 party. I want to go to a 45-6 yeah. to six party. Yeah. I want to go where our defense comes out and says, hey, we're the guys. Six points is only because you got a kicker that can get one from 54. You know, we came out and we made a statement and we shut you down. I want our running backs to be in the end zone all game long. I want Fancher as a redshirt freshman throwing for 250 to 300 and letting those wide receivers get some shine. I want us to dominate from start to finish, and I think that we have the squad to do it. I think with the additional practice time, I think with everyone being healthy, uh, besides the people we already know that are out, uh, I think with the statement that we want to make and to send some of these really good seniors or people that will be playing for the final time in a herd uniform, I think that we want to go there and we have the desire to. And 
guys, UConn finished five and two, but they finished five and two against people that we would have beat seven seven to nothing, uh, or seven wins, no losses. And I just look at that roster, I look at that schedule, and to me it screams we're going to be the better team and we're going to be the better team by far. Man, I was not expecting that. That <laughs> really wasn't. Well, you better uh, learn to live it. <laughs> I mean, I'll live it. That's why <laughs> I'll take that Cause, win. Because that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. I'll take that 100 uh, times out of 100. Jed, where are you at with this one? Man, I was I was, man, I was man, thinking around that 40. I really was, like uh, 40 to 9, maybe. Oh, come on. You kidding me? Uh, no, I really was. Because I, Somebody, somebody's copying notes here. I think yeah. so. <laughs> I, I and listen. If I would have gone first, no. I <laughs> reason being, reason being is, I think can, a couple couple facets. I think the O line has has improved over over the course of the year. I, you know, we know we had issues with the O line uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, we plugged in plugged in Cam that I think he was a better fit for those troubles, you know, being mobile with his legs. Mm-hmm. I think he's really starting to come into his game. Um, I, I think that we've had, we're, we're still having some problems finishing, um, but he's putting up the, the ungodly yards. I mean, he's really starting to do that. I see an improvement on that front. I think Ali hits his stride. I think uh, to your point, uh, uh, Katie about, about labor. I think he's, he's got something to prove here. Um, and, and we're going to get a, you're getting an almost two week, you know, was it 13 practices that they had 15, all that re- 15 practices. Okay. That they had that where they're, where they're practicing, but they're also resting, they're healing. You're getting a, a Marshall team that I think is ready to go all out here and just, um, uh, bowl over this UConn team. Who's, you know, I, again, don't, don't put, you know, don't, don't, you know, think of them as a, a FCS squad capable of, uh, you know, that we're just going to steamroll them. And they're not going to put up a fight, but I just, I see us playing our A game. And when we do that, we can't lose. And, and I think we're going to win in convincing fashion, especially if we're in Huntington South. So uh, we got to put it on for the, for the home, home crowd. So I'm going to go with 40, 40 to the nine. I'm going to stick with that, man. 40 to nine. Okay. I, I, yep. You guys had it much larger than I did. And, but this might help. Listen, I don't know why I didn't think to do this until right this moment. This would have been really helpful when I was talking about players to look out for Nathan Carter, the running back you mentioned that had 400 yards in four games entered the transfer portal about a week ago. That would have mm. been useful to look at that. I can't mm. believe I didn't do that, but uh, so doubt he's going to be, providing services for the Huskies in this game. So that vaunted rushing attack, if he was available, he is not going to be available. So that leads into a little bit more of what you guys are talking about. I did like this one to be a little bit closer, but now I'm taking that that score prediction I was going to make and knocking it down a little bit, a little bit. I like Marshall to put some points on the board, not as many as you guys. Give me the herd 33, UConn 18, and a respectable showing for UConn. Uh, but Marshall to make a little bit more of a statement. The points might not be there, but I think the yardage and the plays will be there. So uh, I like Marshall to get a win, get the nine wins on the season, get off of the bowl losing streak, and start something new, springboarding in to 2023 in the Sunbelt East 
and the recruiting cycle. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, if you guys got any final words about the Myrtle Beach Bowl, let's have them. Otherwise, Russ, let's take it around the herd. Real quick, I'm going to be down there. Anybody that's around, um, you know, if you see me out in the wild, as uh, KD likes to say, <laughs> uh, if you see me down there, hey, stop me, talk to me. Uh, love to talk uh, sports, love to talk the show. Uh, may even have a little swag to hand out to you if I have any on me. Uh, if not, let me know that you need some swag and I'll get it to you. There you go. Jed, you got anything? Uh, no, no final thoughts. I was going to try to make it down there, Russ. Um, your schedule, unfortunately, is not going to allow me to go. But I will be uh, we'll be hosting a party here at the office. Uh, so if you find yourself on Ninth Street and want to come by and eat some free food and drink some free beer, uh, we're going to have it here. So Very cool. Very cool. All right, let's take it around the herd. We're going to start off with swimming and diving this Friday. They're going to be at FIU for uh, a meet. Then we've got track and field. We talked about uh, what uh, Micah Elaine did, breaking again, to recap, breaking the 300-meter school record, and that was with a time of 38.44 seconds. Uh, Fifth-year senior Macy Majoy has been at the center of Marshall pole vaults record since joining the herd as a freshman in 2018-2019 is what the article says. And she vaulted to the new school record. I missed that for uh, the five things to to tag along. 3.98 meters on her third try. Um, They won... Uh, let's see here. They scored 85 points to Moorhead State, finished with 13 points. That's a close one. Nail biter. Absolutely dominating in all this stuff. Uh, more and more things. If you want to read that article, we'll have it tweeted out. Uh, if not, it's on Herd Zone if you can't find yeah. it in our timeline. But great start. And again, this was all the women. Uh, the men start their season in January. Yep. Over to women's basketball, they beat Wright State 72-47. to Wright State, admittedly, is uh, having a, a pretty rough year at 1-7 and on the year. But that was a very good uh, game following that absolute drubbing that we talked about at Davis and Elkins. But, man, good, good stuff for the women. They play tomorrow, Wednesday, at 11 a.m. KD is going to try to I'll be try there. to go. Yeah, I'm going to try to go. I know this episode will probably be up after that game, uh, but I'm going to try to go. We'll, we'll see if it works out. I was, It would be cool to be able to make that down. I do still have to go to work, but uh, it would be cool to, to be able to catch a game. Uh, if you're, Are you fixing to move on to men's basketball? Nope. Okay. Um, well, I, I mean, just off say... of women's basketball? Nope. Okay. Um, they played, uh, or like I said, they play that to, uh, tomorrow at 11 AM and then they will be playing on, what would that be? Sunday mm -hmm. at home, St. Bonaventure. Yeah. So, uh, anyone that is not down in Myrtle beach, welcome these girls back again. We'll have that new court for them. Uh, go see him on Sunday. And as always, we have tickets. Now I'm getting ready to move on. If you got something to say. Well, the only thing I was going to say is again, in this right state game, it pushed the herd to five and three on the season. Right state was struggling. Now they're, you know, one and seven uh, leading scores in that game. 
where uh, Mahogany Matthews with 18, Abby Beeman had 16, and Rashala Scott continues her double-digit scoring streak, has 10 in this one. Uh, the Herd was shooting right around 50% from the floor again, right at 48%, and a tick over 30% from three-point land. So the men and the women are really kind of in the same boat now with their scoring from the floor and their three-point prowess, both ticking around 45 to 50% from the floor and right around 30% uh, from three-point land. But um, there was there were some other contributors in this game against Wright State. It, this looked like one that Marshall had really in control of from the get go. This was not one that we were worried about um, the herd coming out with a win in. But it's it was nice to hold serve at home and get another one. And you're right, we want to welcome them back on December 18th uh, to to the new floor. So if you want to get your first hand look and you're not going to the Myrtle Beach Bowl. All you got to do is basically enter that contest tweet and you will most likely win our tickets because uh, for some reason, not too many folks enter those contests and they're free, free tickets. All you got to do is basically like the tweet and go to the daggone game. We're going to finish up uh, still in basketball, but over to the men, they beat uh, Duquesne uh, 82 to 71 in a game that they uh, were up quite a bit more than that. And then uh, Duquesne came back, I think, Brought it to maybe within four, six, something like that. And then they pulled away again late. Uh, then they beat Robert Morris 69 to 60. And as wrestling announcer Jim Ross would say, it was bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> it was a just a horrible officiating game. Uh, I tweeted out that the refs must have had a cousin that uh, had taken the under because <laughs> it, was 30, it was 30 to 16 at halftime. They called six traveling calls. <laughs> I mean, it it was it was bad. Uh, you know, there were some touch fouls. We've I've had a lot of uh, fans reach out and echo my sentiment and say that that was a horribly officiated game. We could not get in a rhythm. We had twenty two turnovers. But again, even though it's Robert Morris, these are games we were losing last year. If you have twenty two turnovers, if you have the fouls not going your way. If you have the rebounds not going your way, whatever is not going your way, we're losing those games. This was our ninth straight win, and we were one point away from having nine in a row double-digit wins. Yep, This is a great team. We've got some great freshmen playing. Uh, we only played eight players uh, in this game. We've been playing seven, eight, nine. Uh we are a very, very improved team, and we're going to make some waves. I know we talked about this a lot last week, but this squad just continues to get better and better. Even with a game like that, they get better and better. Yeah, 69 to 60, um, the Pennsylvania road swing proved advantageous for the herd. They're coming back undefeated, and they're going to come back home here in a couple of days. I don't remember the date right off. Let me look at it real quick. The 17th. Uh, the 17th is Saturday, Saturday against, against yeah. Toledo, yeah. looking to match the 10, uh, a 10 game win streak, which is the herd's longest, I think, I saw in 22 years. Yep. So this is big time stuff, right? And, and uh, I don't care who's on the other side of the court from you. Like you mentioned, the ball bounces how it bounces, and it doesn't That's always right. go your way. You have to make shots no matter who you're playing against. You have to make shots, and Marshall's making those shots. But let's talk about this game against Robert Morris. Three of the seven herd players, three of the five herd starters in double digits, and uh, Obina right there 
with nine points. Kenzie leads the way with 26. Andy Taylor, another 15 points. And Kerfman with 10. Micah Hanlogden gets six, but another double-digit day on the boards. 13 rebounds in this one. This young freshman, sheesh. I mean, I'm not going to knock his game at all. And, and, and the more I see what you say, he just needs to get that mean streak. I don't want any – I'm not wishing violence upon this guy, but I wish something would happen to him that just pisses him off. And he's like, all right, that's it. I'm done with this stuff. I've seen it a couple of times. It's been on uh, – you know, they're fighting – again, I talk about this all the time. This guy is on the floor like you would yeah. see a point guard. He He's going after loose balls. Uh, he has a knack for tying up and getting a jump ball to see, you know, who has possession. And during one of those tie-ups – he just absolutely ripped the ball from the other guy and just stared at him in the face for a minute. He's got it. <laughs> He's just a freshman, and I think that yeah. you just need to let the tiger get out of the cage. Yeah. yeah. It, gi- He's like the gentle giant, man. He's yeah. like it'll it'll take a little bit of time, but I yeah, that's I, I I definitely second that sentiment. He just <laughs> there have been a couple times and and you I didn't see it as much in the Robert Morris game, but uh, but in the game before, it's just like, dude, you're seven foot, just just take Dunk it, to, it just take take it home man yeah. just jump up and throw it down Slam it and, home. and i th- i think you'll get that I, I really like what i see from him and the other freshmen as well uh i think they're just going to continue to get better yeah i mean russ we, talks about it all the time he it's like hand logged in is is just one little thing away from the the switch flipping and him just being an animal on the court yeah. because yeah. He, he's doing all the hustle <laughs> plays and, and, and yeah and make he's and great. doing the dirty work anyway you know so yeah and he's great right now. We're just talking about like when he's getting an offensive rebound, just flush it in their face, man. Yeah. You know, uh, go up strong, two handed, put it right in their face. If you get it blocked every now and then, great. Put somebody on a poster the other nine times, you know, and I think he's going to get there. And, uh, you know, you could say that about a lot of this team. They're going to get there. We continue to have, again, three freshmen. Uh, which was it was only a few minutes, a handful of minutes that Fricks got to play last year because of that knee injury. So, I mean, he's nearly playing like a true freshman uh, when you figure in he's playing for the first time with any significant minutes. And Kerfman is new to the squad. You've got four new people in a rotation of seven, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're bringing Toussaint off every now and then. Uh, other guys are getting in sparingly. And that's because these guys are playing so well, you know, who do you want to, who do you want to shave the minutes from to let somebody else get in when these guys are playing well and they're playing well as a team. And when they get on a run, they are as long and athletic as anybody in the Sunbelt. Yep. They're going to be a dangerous team, man, when it comes to conference play, for sure. The last four minutes of that first half against Duquesne, I think we got to bear witness to what this team can be, especially when they go on a run like that. You, you can't stop them. You can't stop them. And, and it's it's and, and it's going to take some time for that cohesion, I, I believe, to develop. But, you know, but when they're being selfless and letting the game come to them, moving the ball, playing that good defense, they're getting a lot of turnovers that are turning into points. Um, they're uh, you're I will take a game like Robert Morris where you take that adversity and just that struggle, and we still come out with a convincing win mm-hmm. um, to learn because because you got to learn how to win those type yep. of games because they're not always going to be pretty. But I, I think the last four minutes of that first half against Duquesne just 
goes to show what this team is capable of as the year progresses, as they work better as a unit. Yeah, they're going to be pretty tough. I mean, Southern Miss is pretty tough right now, and Louisiana's pretty tough. James Madison, like I said, is always tough. Old Dominion will figure it out. There's there's some teams that Marshall's going to have to get through. And I misspoke earlier. I should clarify or, or fix that mistake. I said the game against Toledo, Marshall's going to be looking for a 10-game win streak. It's actually tonight. 11, they're playing yeah. UNC Greensboro tonight right. on the road. They'll be, uh, if they get that one, which they are favored in by a little over a bucket. Uh, they will be looking to extend to an 11 game win streak at home against Toledo. So I just wanted to get that right before. And and UNC Greensboro is actually going to be a big test, especially since it's on the road, but they have played. Uh, uh, I can't remember who it was that they took down. They lost by three or five or something like that, but it was a, a very close game right till the end. Arkansas, and Arkansas, number that's 10, right. number yeah, 10. Number yeah, 10, I watched Arkansas. some, I watched some of that game. Yeah. They, they gave everything they could handle. So this is going to be a test, uh, but I know this is going to be uploaded after that game, but, mm-hmm. uh, look, look for them on ESPN plus tonight, uh, to bring home the first 10 game winning streak in 22 years. And then welcome them back into what will look like almost a brand new cam henderson center with uh, a few upgrades get your herd zone app out with your herd lights and celebrate this marshall team show up if you're not going to be at the bowl and uh let's do it let's bring it home we'll have tickets right we'll have tickets um I, what else I, you got? Meant, I meant to say one other thing, and this probably should have been mentioned in the five things. Uh, I don't know how it slipped my mind until just now, but speaking about the cam jogged my memory. If you are not going to the bowl game, they are doing a watch party inside oh. the cam uh, and we'll have it up on the video board. So they will have the concessions open. And if you're not going to the game, I know Jed's throwing a party. Jed, I hate to say it, but they might win with more attendance than your party because the capacity capacity is slightly higher than your office. But that's a good thing for herd fans to do. If you're here in the area and you can't go and you can still get off work or if you're a student, whatever it is, go over to the cam. Uh, It's free entry, if I'm not mistaken. Just go in there. They'll have the concessions open and cheer on the herd. That's awesome. Yeah, if you're a student looking to watch the game, you should for sure head on over to the Cam Henderson Center. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, I have not seen anything about that yet, so that that was that was news to me. If you guys – we got any other sports, or is that it for right now? That's it. That's All it. right, so let's have some final words. Uh, Jed, start us off if you got any. Otherwise, um, you know, I'll give a few, and then Russ can take us out of here. Final words. I'd like to uh, uh, give a shout-out to our amazing Five Things sponsor, Ignite Link. Uh, <laughs> No, I, all I'd like to say is, guys, thanks for having me on. Honestly, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, doing Thundercast uh, live with you guys this this previous season. Um, gave us a lot to think about. Gave us a lot to uh, to learn. Um, I, I'm pretty new to to a lot of that stuff uh, to to the whole live stream podcast uh, game. So that definitely was a huge learning experience and things that I think that will just help help you guys as the Thundercast moving forward. And uh, so all that to say, you know, I really appreciate the partnership uh, together. I appreciate you guys taking us on as a sponsor. Um, We love doing it. You know, like we mentioned before, I'm, you know, we're big Marshall fans here at Ignite Link. Um, 
And I also have to give a th- shout out to the guys at Compton Office Machine Company. Those guys partner with us and it's we don't do what we do without them. So um, but but we appreciate that partnership with you guys. Uh, looking forward to continue partnership, looking forward to uh, jumping on on future podcasts every once in a while and giving you guys a hard time and and looking forward to what we can do with Thundercast Live next year or even with other other sporting events other than football as well. So uh, so big. Big thanks, guys. I uh, appreciate being on today and appreciate the partnership. Well, we certainly enjoy having you guys aboard. Uh, a lot of what we are able to do is directly because of what you guys do for us and what, of course, 304 Car Egg does for us, allowing us to just give right back to herd fans and increase the fan experience and do some of the things that we want to do to increase our own experience and, and our own fandom. So we can't thank you enough for being on board and, and continuing to want to be on board, uh, not just for now, but in the future, we hope. And um, I'm going to use my last few minutes here to talk about a couple of things, and then I'm going to turn it over to Russ. My final words on the on this episode are, number one, um, I got to wish a very early birthday to my son, Cooper, who's turning 11 on the day of the Myrtle Beach Bowl, uh, December 19th. So that was never going to be in the uh, travel plans for me because it's always family first, even though uh, my herd fandom is way up there in my life. Um, I'm a dad first, I'm a husband first, and it's always family first with me. And uh, I just wanted to say happy birthday, Cooper. Over the years, there have been many of you that have seen him. If you watch some of our uh, go back, I can't remember what episode it was, but we were doing a video podcast there a couple months ago, a month ago, whatever, and he busted in right at the end. And I'm not editing that stuff out because he is a freaking national treasure, and uh, I love him dearly. So happy birthday to him. Last thing I'm going to say is um, I woke up this morning after a long night of work to the news that Mike Leach had passed away, and I tweeted that Mike Leach is one of the only coaches that I ever just rooted for. I root for teams. I'll root for players. Very rarely do I root for a coach, no matter where he coaches. And Mike Leach was one of those guys. He might have been the only guy that's a non-herd coach or a former herd coach or whatever that I had zero ties to that I just rooted for. And I, I just loved his style of coaching. I loved the offenses that he put on the field. I loved the excitement, the creativity in his offenses. And to be honest, I can't think of another coach that uh, would rival um, Bobby Knight behind the mic at a press conference. And it's Mike Leach and Bobby Knight, for as far as interviews and press conferences go, they gave you the best of the best. And it's not like Mike Leach was trying. He would answer and get into deep thought about any topic that was asked of him. And I love that. I just absolutely love that. A a true one-of-a-kind guy. The college football world is worse off without him in it. Um, 61 years old is is far too young. I was looking forward to having um, Mike Leach around for – decades more and enjoying uh his brand of college football so uh that was a real gut punch to wake up to uh, i really did uh enjoy mike leach i was a mike leach fan i still am a mike leach fan this is not just like hyperbole because it happened today and i don't you know it's this is not for clicks and likes this is true you know i don't i just don't have many other coaches 
that I cheer for and have cheered for. It didn't matter if he was at Mississippi State or Washington State or Texas Tech or wherever. I just enjoyed his brand of football, and, and I'll miss not being able to see that on Saturday. So uh, my heart goes out to the Leach family and, the, and, and uh, our college football family at Mississippi State. That was rough today. So, Russ, uh, if let's have your final thoughts, and then uh, you can take us out. I'm just going to take us out of here. And whether you see us at the updated cam, whether you see us at the updated Joan, or whether you see us down at uh, the Tanger outlets, searching the Johnston and Murphy uh, <laughs> store for some, for some new shirts, some new pants, some new uh, socks, uh, some new shoes, head to toe. I'm Johnston Murphy guy, but uh, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying go herd. <laughs> go herd. I hope go to herd. see you at the uh, crocodile rocks also. Uh, yeah, we'll see you go herd. It's a Thundercast. Later.